0: Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now, join us as we pursue Jesus together. Part uh, we've been we've been talking about rediscovering. Or discovering. So we're really talking to two people here. So the first week we talked about the cross, for some needing to rediscover the passion of the cross. Like Jesus said to John in Revelation 2, he said, Some of you, you've done amazing things, you've been encouraging, you're doing all these great things, but some of you have lost your first love. And so, in other words, they need to rediscover Christ rediscovering the cross. And last week, we talked about rediscovering purpose. Some of you have gotten to the place in your life where you're like <clears throat> going through the motions and you need to rediscover that God has plans and purposes for you, for your life, that you were created with purpose. And if you were created by God, you can only have purpose. You can only have purpose. And some, maybe you're hearing that for the first time of saying, oh my goodness, God actually cares about me. God actually loves me. Therefore, i I have things to do to glorify the Lord. And this week, we are discovering the essentials. Discovering the essentials. So we're going to have two weeks of discovering the essentials. And so, um, I don't know, I'm kind of jumping here, but have you ever heard of spiritual abuse before? Anyone ever hear of spiritual abuse? Okay. I hadn't heard of spiritual abuse as a term until I had gone through it until i had experienced it. And all of a sudden, I realized there's books out there, there's material. Maybe you've experienced something like that. You go through something, and then all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is actually a thing. I didn't, I didn't know that this was a, a thing. <clears throat> there was a, there's a guy who wrote an article named David Henke, and he wrote a... Um, a pretty good definition about it, so I'm going to read it here. Quote, "...spiritual abuse is the misuse of position, of power, leadership, or influence to further the selfish interests of someone other than the individual who needs help. Sometimes abuse arises out of doctrinal position... At other times, it occurs because of legitimate personal needs of a leader that are being met by illegitimate means. Spiritual abuse, abuse of religious systems are sometimes described as legalistic, mind-controlling, religiously addictive, and authoritarian. <clears throat> so in our younger years, my wife and I and family, we were a part of a church that um, is, is no longer in existence. But, and, and really, the, the details of it are, are not... Um, necessarily important for a public forum like this, but my family and, and many others experienced radical forms of spiritual abuse in, in different ways. And, um, and from this church, there was a lot of damage, a lot of damage. There are some um, to this day that aren't serving Christ. Um, we're still connected to loosely, uh, but it's really difficult uh, to watch what had happened and um, in, in some cases, um, and actually there, there are some that are here today, and there are some that have visited, the Lord began to do a work, and our prayer from experiencing a lot of this pain and, and things was, Lord, would you please do what you do and reconcile relationships? Because that's part of the gospel, is reconciliation. And so, Lord, I believe in reconciliation. So, Lord, would you begin to reconcile what, what man broke, and it's something that was supposed to be loving and nurturing in a church. Can you begin to reconcile? And we've been seeing that through the years. Sometimes it's taken longer than we hoped, but but the Lord has been reconciling, and it's, it's been um, tremendous to see. But there's a couple things I learned out of this. <clears throat> One is that God showed me that I myself had pride, and I myself had arrogance. And so a lot of times in situations like this, where maybe there's spiritual abuse. There's kind of this um, this form of superior Christians. Uh, Paul talks about them, and he calls them um, uh, just kind of like these glorified apostles. They they named themselves. They gave themselves titles, and they they were the super apostles. And, and he and he addresses people like that. And in my in my own mind, I had somehow gotten to this point, and in this type of environment, that I was behaving good. I was a good boy. I was a good Jesus boy. Therefore, I was righteous. Now, how did I slip into that? Well, you know, there was maybe some things I was around long enough where it just began to slowly absorb and I didn't even realize it. It's like the frog in the kettle. And that's, it's embarrassing for me to admit to you. That's not a fun thing to admit that 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 was happening to me as a Christian. And I would have been categorized as Jesus as one of those Pharisees. I would have been. There's no doubt in my mind. Now, there, there were other things that came from this. But first of all, what I want to point out is that nobody came to me and brought the Bible and started hitting it and saying how prideful I was. The Holy Spirit revealed that to me the Holy Spirit revealed that to me. And I want to let you know something. It was devastating. It was devastating. The Lord revealed it to me in a way that I could understand. And it was, it was a very difficult time. But it was good. It was good. After God began to show me my pride, guess what happened? I began to have empathy like I'd never had it before for other people. In brokenness, in our brokenness, God begins to, begins to form a new creation in us, being born again. And sometimes in these circles, there is an exaltation of a person, and where people are then raised up on a, on a pedestal or even their, their own behavior. And um, very, very, a uh, lot, lot, of, lot of things that the Lord taught us during this time. Now, number two in this is that God started to bring people into our lives that had experienced spiritual abuse at a whole nother level. He began to bring people into our church and into places that all of a sudden, instead of me kind of just unempathetically nodding my head and going, wow, I'm really sorry, I'm now able to cry with them. I'm able to embrace them and I'm able to understand in a level I never would have been otherwise. Now, I know that God is not through with me and I have a long way to go under his care, but I, I do know that God not only allowed us to endure what we had, but I, I, I looked for a while a lot more like, could you put that monkey up there for me? <laughs> I'm going to leave this up for a minute just to make you feel a little uncomfortable. <laughs> for, for those that are listening online or on podcasts or whatever, I have a, a really psycho monkey with some clanging symbols here. Um, <clears throat> you know, what, what the enemy meant for harm in our lives, and I'm, I'm telling you, it was devastating for my family. It was devastating. My, my wife and I, we questioned a lot of things. It was, it was a, a very, very difficult time um, in our lives. <clears throat> but this is, I think, when I can reflect back, I, I did, I think I looked a lot like this. And so here, let me give you the thesis as this stays up for a second. We need to be a church that, actually, I've got a, um, there's a, the blue screen one on there, and then you can go back to the monkey for me. We need to be a church that loves God deeply and people passionately. We need to be a church who understands the Bible, but more specifically, the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation, and how it pertains to us in our everyday life. Okay, and this is what we're going to be looking at for the next two weeks. And I really, um, if you can't make it next week or something, please listen online because I I really believe this is very important to us as we just uh, move on as a church. So this means the Bible becomes more than head knowledge, but it anchors into our hearts. Okay, more than just what we learn and and what we read, but it it anchors into our hearts. But there is a flip side, and, and that flip side is there are so many Christians that have amazing hearts for God. There are so many. I've met so many that just have so, just love for God, but they are ignorant when it comes to the truth And the details of our faith. Now, I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to be a scholar or a a theologian, um, and I'm certainly not saying um, an ignorant Christian in a prideful or a callous way or disrespectfully. I mean it as the word is intended to mean that somebody who doesn't know much about a particular topic. That's what it means to be ignorant. We just, we don't know. You don't know what you don't know. That makes us ignorant. And in this case, we're talking about the Scripture. We're talking about the Holy Bible. So Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that if we have head knowledge without empathy and love, we are an annoying noise, like this monkey. We are like a toy monkey with cymbals hitting each other. And that's what he says. It's just we're a clanging cymbal if there is not love that comes along with what we are saying and and what we are teaching. But I was this monkey, and I, I, I never would have at that time had seen it had not the Holy Spirit directed me and showed me in my own life. So like a child that got too deep in a wave pool. Have you ever been in one of those wave pools before? You could hear a horn, and all of a sudden the wave starts slowly trickling, and then they just start hammering out there, and you can see the kids, and, and it's not restful for my family. We've tried it. We've gone out to Wisconsin, and what's a, the Kalahari? Some of you, we've, we've been there, and it's the most unrestful thing. If you, you just sit there and go, that kid's drowning, that kid's drowning, that, I mean, it, it's just, it's, you're petrified. You think everybody, and Jaina, I literally just said, can you just leave? You're stressing me out. Okay, these kids are fine, they're fine. But what, but what it's like is, is a kid who got too deep and they're trying to find the bottom or they're trying to get to the side or they're trying to find an adult's shoulders to, to grab on, to, to anchor them. They're looking for stability and so they're, they're panicking someone to grab onto. In the same way, without an anchor to our faith, we are like this child being pushed around to and fro. We're reaching for the bottom and and we can't find it. We become exhausted and eventually drink in and drown in what the world is selling us. An immature Christian would say something like, well, God is my anchor. The Holy Spirit just tells me what to do and I just do whatever I feel he is telling me to do. And I would say to that great but how do you know which God you're listening to? Our thoughts and emotions and our feelings will lie to us, right? They have lied to us. They've tricked us before, haven't they, friends? But we must be anchored to Jesus and know what he has actually said, which gives us understanding of what he will say. And let, let me give you an ex, just an example of this. And I think this will, will really make sense to you. So, um, earlier uh, this spring, um, it was Andrew Burnt, uh, Mark Jeans, I don't know if Mark and Melanie are here today, but we went golfing together. And the Assemblies of God has this thing every year. It's, um, it's a fundraiser for pastors who, who um, maybe need, need some counseling in different ways. It's just a really great thing to, to raise some money. So, we went, and uh, I'm, I'm not good, okay? I'm just, just so, there's no, there's no confusion here, because I cannot at all brag about my game. And either can Andrew. He can't brag on my game either. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, we got to this hole where our superintendent, Pastor Mark Dean, was there. And he said, okay, fellas, this is the hole. Bring out one of your irons because it's a shorter hole. And say, if you get a hole in one, you get this Chevy Equinox right here. This is your car. And I'm stretching. I'm like, Lord, if ever there was a time. Now. Now is that time. And uh, I'm sure every pastor said the same thing as me. Lord, I've served you. And then after you hit, you say, well, Lord, there's a pastor that needs it more than me. <laughs> See how humble I am? <laughs> But anyway, you know, we, we just kind of talk and joke a little bit with uh, Pastor Mark, and <clears throat> we hit it, and um, I was so close. I wasn't, but I wasn't close at all. But anyway, I go up there, and there's a tree just to the, to the left of the hole, and his wife, Barb, is, is underneath the tree. <laughs> and I think she was shading herself from the terrible golfing pastors, you know, and uh, I said to her, I said, I just think you should know, Barb, that your husband is down there and he's giving five bucks or whoever can get closest to you. And without missing a beat, she looked at me and she said, no, he didn't. And I was like, well, how do you know he's just not joking around? She goes, that's not Mark. He's too nice. <laughs> and I said, not even as a joke? Like, now I'm like, my joke is falling flat, you know? And, uh, And she goes, Yeah, that's not him. That's not him. And then I felt bad about my joke. But man, I tell you what, this is how it is with our relationship with Christ. When we know God, when we know his word, when we are in sync with his voice, when other voices come, we go, That's not God. That doesn't line up with his character. Thanks for that word, friend, but that's not God. He didn't tell me that, and he certainly didn't write it in his Bible. And so, therefore, I am taking heed. Friends, this is how we should be. We should be like Barb Dean. Knows, she knows her husband well, and we should know God well. We should know his character well. We should know this so that when struggles of life come, when people are saying things and the world around us is saying all these things, we go, you know what? no. God does love me and he's called me his son and his daughter and I know who I am in Christ because I'm a new creation in him. So I'm not listening to that voice. Are you that way, friend? Are you that way? In the same way, if we are following Christ, it will be almost impossible to be led astray by false teaching. So in Acts 17, 11, It says, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. So they came from Thessalonica, and while they were there, things got very heated. Things got very heated. It it didn't end up well. They were there for a couple weeks, and then they came to this place. And these Berean Jews were so hungry for the word. And I, I think there's a couple reasons why Luke put this in Acts. Obviously, the Holy Spirit directed him, but why? I, many times I ask, why is this here? There's got to be a reason why this is here. And here's what I think. Number one, Luke is commending these Berean Jews. Now, if, if, you, if, if you know the gospel, you know that the gospel is very, very difficult. And Jesus was very, very hard on the, the religious leaders, the Jews. There's some very harsh language because of how they treated the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and how they treated many of the Christians. But in this case, he is exalting them and he's commending them and he's publicly writing it and he acknowledges them, publicly encouraging them in their pursuits of righteousness. And secondly, it is for us today and for those who came before us on how we should conduct ourselves as Christians. And so here are a few things from that. First, noble character. They had the right heart and the mind of Christ. They were not monkey with symbols of noble character. They also, they examined the scriptures. They examined the person who was giving them and teaching them the Word. If you read Paul's letters, you will also find at times he says things like, some are saying this. And, and he, you can tell that in different parts of his letters, he's addressing arguments. He's addressing concerns. There are times that you can tell in in a totally different gospel that he is beginning to connect with the same thought from another letter because there were concerns and questions. People were causing him, making him work hard for what he was teaching. And so he would bring clarity if there was any kind of confusion. And so these Berean Jews were examining, and in the same way, Luke is telling us, hey, You need to do the same thing as these Berean Jews. You need to have noble character, the right heart, right? You need to examine using your mind, thinking, understanding. And then, every day, it says that they were doing this every day. Now, I understand. This culture was different, okay? I mean, there was the city square, the front gate, the synagogues. There was, this was the cultural center. This was your www.whatever.com. This is where people congregated, okay? And so I understand the culture was definitely different at that time. However, this every day, they had a personal relationship with God. And in the same way, this is saying, hey, this needs to be an everyday part of your life that we have more than a Sabbath faith. We have more than just a Sunday faith. I want to encourage you to have more than your expectation of going to church on Sunday. Pray. Worship. Read or listen to your Bible. Do it during the week. Find a time. Just find time And like these Berean Jews every single day, can we be like these Berean Christians? Let's have noble character. Let's receive God's word with eagerness and gladness. Let's study to show ourselves approved. And let's be more than Sunday Christians, but everyday followers of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, so I'm very proud of myself because we're going to get to number one today, okay? We're gonna get to number one. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ anyway? Okay, so the gospel. This is the essentials, right? So we better get down to the nitty gritty. So for this first question, in, in the Bible, the gospel is referred to in Scripture as the Word. It's referred to as doctrine. It's referred to as seed. It's referred to as good news. It's referred to as the truth. This seed that grows in us and produces God's fruit of righteousness is meant to reconcile men and women to himself. Okay? This good news, the gospel, the seed, the truth, must be taught, it must be heard, it must be understood, it must be believed and confessed. Okay? This is the gospel. So we're going to go through these five quickly. First of all, taught, Romans 10:14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Romans 10, 4, 14. The word must go forth. It must be taught. I love that in our church, we have many different avenues of being able to hear the gospel, to be taught outside of right now. There are women's groups and meetings throughout the week. We've got life groups, and coming this fall, we're going to be relaunching and starting new groups if you're not a part of one. We've got right now media as ways and accesses for you to be able to, to get and to be taught by teachers and by just amazing teachings. We must be taught and it must be preached. Number two, this is uh, heard, Romans ten seventeen. Consequently, faith comes from? hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Over and over again, the Bible says, for those who have ears, let them hear. In other words, those who are ready to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We need to be able to hear. But how many of you have ever heard something but you didn't hear it? Right? Yeah, I've had that a couple times. I hear, hey, Dale, can you blah, 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 And for whatever reason, and that's a lot of times how it is with the gospel. Isn't it amazing when, you, when somebody shares their testimony and how they came to Christ, that sometimes they had heard it over and over and over again, but their ears were not there to actually hear, were not actually there to listen. What else makes up the gospel? We have to understand Needs to be understood, Matthew 13, 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. We have to be able to understand what's being said to us. And if we don't, that word is going to be snatched away and it is going to be gone Quickly, to be able to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be coming back to understanding here in a very practical way. Next one, please. Believed Hebrews 4.2. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. Okay, so we and they. So the same gospel, the same message, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. One group believed, the other did not. The message of Jesus Christ, his gospel, his seed, his truth must be believed. And lastly, Romans 10, 8 through 9, confessed. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a clear picture of the gospel right here. What a clear picture of what you and I must do to be saved. Right? It's clear. This is a confession, now, I, I'm, I'm talking differently than confessing our sins one to another. That's biblical. That's, that's another side. But we actually have to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that he has died and rose again for our sins. This is essentially the closest thing we have to the sinner's prayer. Okay, nobody wrote the sinner's prayer, thou shalt say, okay? There is a confession that we say and we declare with our mouth that J- Jesus, excuse me, is Lord So we need to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and be able to explain it simply. Simply. If a child cannot understand it, we probably don't know it well. And this is, um, and I'm sure teachers and, and people that have been taught this is that to really know that you have grasped a subject well, you're not using big fancy words or terms, you're able to say it in a way and break it down for a little child to be able to understand. That's how you know you know it well, is if a, a child can understand it. So a couple things I would like you to think about as we begin to wrap up here today and, and, and close. Now, I know pastors should never talk about closing because they never do, but we're, we're, this is the, the more practical side, okay? So number one, the gospel can be presented differently depending on the audience, Okay? how you share the gospel of the reconciliation of Christ, okay, how you share the gospel uh, pertaining to his death and his resurrection, okay, how you share this should change depending on who you're talking to. So there there are great tools out there like the Romans Road and I mean, just there's so many great avenues of scripture that help you hit the points, okay? So I, I would say practice do those type of things, but don't get so married to him you can't be a human being with people, okay? And, and I, one thing that I've heard a lot from people is they're afraid they're going to mess it up, okay? So let, let me just try and take some pressure off you for a second. You can't save anybody, okay? Pressure off, okay? You can't save anybody. God holds the world in his hand, Okay? Let's just say you try and present the gospel to somebody and it's a mess, okay? Guess what? God is big enough. God is big enough. And let me tell you something. You just trying, God is pleased with you, okay? God takes our mess and he makes something beautiful out of it. And so I want to just hopefully take some pressure off of you today and say, do your best. Just have opportunities to share what God has put inside of you and see what he does. So that was number one. The gospel can be presented differently depending on your audience. Kids, teens, different circumstances, different cultures, different worldviews, share the gospel, but... Think about your audience. Your personal testimony is one of the most powerful ways to illustrate the gospel. People can debate with you all day long. Don't don't get caught up in straw man battles because that never works. You're never going to sway somebody over by that kind of argument, okay? But when you share your personal testimony and what God has done in your life and how God has changed you, you can't argue that. You are showing what God has done in your life. And then, just just as far as presenting it different and knowing your audience, there was a a young girl once that was in our youth group, and she said, can I just share a testimony of of what God has has done? And I'm like, yeah, that's great. I love love when people share their testimonies. And, And the story went on and on and on about her iPhone. And at this time, iPhones were kind of for the haves, not the have-nots. You know, this, you know in the very beginning when iPhones and those, and they came out, I mean, you, you really had to have some resources in order to make those kind of purchases or however it worked. And there were not a lot of people that had them at this time. But this was a young lady of significant means and, and she could have had 20 iPhones and she probably did. After all the time she broke them, right? And anyway, she was in trouble at home because she lost it again and was going to have to have it replaced again. And she's just, I mean, she was starting to cry. Like this, God really showed up for her. Like really showed up for her. And, and she, was, she was very just so excited about how God answered this prayer. But let me tell you, in this room, this testimony fell flat. People were like, I can't relate with you at all. And in fact, I wish you wouldn't have found that phone. <laughs> You know, people were like, you know what I mean. We've been in those awkward situations. We're like, yeah, this is just not the place for that. And so try and be able to know your audience, know who you're speaking to, and think to yourself, am I able to relate with this person in any way? And so have something that you can be able to relate. And, And when it comes to your testimony, have a short version and a long version. Have the elevator testimony you know, God changed my life and you know how he changed my life? I knew he changed my life is because I used to do these things and I don't do them anymore and those desires are gone and I serve him and he has been faithful to me. Short, sweet, but have those moments where you can go in depth and really talk about the details of what God has done in your life. So that was number two. Your personal testimony is one of the most powerful ways to illustrate the gospel. And number three, and probably the most important part of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the gospel is not about how great you are. Okay? You are not the hero in this story. If you were saved from drug abuse, from alcohol, you do not glorify how great life was and now you're saved. Brum, brum, brum right? Now life is just whatever, but I was having, I was partying, I was the life of the party, right? That's not the gospel. You are now bragging about your past life and you're not glorifying God. The gospel of Jesus Christ is about God saving us. It is about what he did. It is about God sending his son Christ to die for us so we can live in abundance in him, when uh, Pastor Jaina was training with our um, Panama trip, we would, there were 11 of us sitting around a table, and it was time to practice your testimony. We physically told a story in a way of our testimony to be able to share with everybody around the table. And there were times of going, okay, which one would be better? Okay, I'm in my 40s. So, if we're with younger kids, that story is not going to relate. That story's not going to relate. They're in a different country. What can I do? What can I say? What have I experienced? What has God brought me through that I can share a part of my testimony that might relate to them? That's part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if we were a church that had a firm hold on the gospel? Like, we, we could just turn to one another and share the gospel. We could just share our, our testimony. And I, I want to say to you that this is one of the essentials. This is one of the essentials for us to be able to have a firm grasp on what God did for us and be able to articulate it in a way that even a child could understand it. Can you imagine if we were a church that felt confident? Enough to share the gospel when the Lord provided those opportunities. Can you imagine? I think, I think we would see growth in this place. I really do. I'm not saying that, that you don't know the gospel. I'm not saying that at all. But I think that we could all practice. I think that we could build our spiritual Muscles are gospel muscles. I think that this is an area of our life that we can really have a a deeper understanding of. So, what is your role in helping the gospel be taught, to be heard, to be understood, to being believed, being confessed? What is your role? Have Have you had a role in somebody's life like that? Would you please stand? As you can see, if you have your bulletin, you know that we're going to be talking about how can we know for sure that we are saved. That's a question that a lot of people have had. I've had that question myself. And what is the church and how do I fit? And there are two aspects of the church. We've got the individual, we are called the church, but then there's also the corporate church and the importance of being a part of both. Let's bow our heads, please. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus, and Lord, we glorify you. We lift you up in this place this morning. Lord, and I I thank you for just an opportunity to be together and to to talk just on a basic, fundamental, core issues of who you are, your message to us. Lord, I pray that that you help us. Uh, I pray that uh, you help me as as pastor of this church, Lord Jesus, to, to lead our church into a place of being able to understand who you are, what you mean to us, that we have a firm hold on your words, Lord Jesus, and that we are not being pushed around by the waves of this world, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Sheila, would you put that uh, slide up again that just kind of gave the thesis? I want us just to look at this one more time as we uh, begin to leave today. The, uh, the one with the blue background. Thank you. We need to be a church that loves God deeply and people passionately. We need to be a church who understands the Bible, more specifically the gospel of Jesus Christ, salvation, and how it pertains to us in our everyday lives. Do you know the gospel? Do you know that you are saved? And Do you know how it pertains to you in the way that you live your life, the way that you go to work, the way you raise your kids? Very, very important. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.